My name is John Cassie, and this is Game Level Learn. Game Level Learn is a podcast about the ways games and gamification can shape teaching and learning to improve the experience and success of students. Game Level Learn will be my attempt, as well as my guests, to demonstrate the value of using games and game-derived methods in shaping the classroom experience of learners, whether they're in kindergarten or whether they're in graduate school. In future episodes, we'll discuss an assortment of gamified methods and how you might use them in teaching and training. I'll interview educators to share the experience of actual teachers using gamified methods in their classrooms. I'll review new games and old games and explore how those games might be used right out of the box in your classroom practice. And I'll share great books on games, gaming, and gamification to rev up your thinking and get you excited. It's my hope that Game Level Learn stimulates conversation among and between teachers and between teachers and school leaders and brings about a productive connection between the world of games and the world of schools. So, first episode, Shakedown Cruise. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts and opinions on this first episode and getting some thoughts on some topics that you might be interested in in, uh, in us covering here at Game Level Learn. Um, for now, let me just tell you a little bit more about me. Like I said, my name is John Cassie. Uh, I'm a teacher. I've taught English and history. I've taught Latin, and I'm teaching game design right now. I'm also a high school principal, and I've been a school administrator and an, a, a teacher for more than 20 years. Let me tell you, one of the things I've observed uh, in teaching for 20 years is that students are very different now than they were uh, when I started in 1994. Uh, I've taught in, in college settings and I've taught in middle schools and I've taught in high schools and whatever the lesson. Students in 2016 and students in 1994 are really looking for very different things uh, than, uh, uh, than, than they were back in the day. Um, I've always tried new things, to try to reach out to students wherever they were, and uh, to try to make sure that the students in my classrooms are experiencing opportunities to do things, to build, to, to, to do labs, to really get in there and, and, and manipulate uh, what we're trying to learn rather than just listen to me talk. Um, so like I said, I've been a teacher for 20 years, but I've been a gamer even longer. Uh, we're too early in our relationship together before I'm going to tell you how old I actually am. But, uh, but I've been a gamer for a long time. Um, and uh, weirdly, it wasn't until about 2010 that I began to think that there might be ways in which the world of games and the world of learning might actually uh, productively overlap. Then, uh, in, in 2011, I had the opportunity to read Jane McGonigal's Reality is Broken. If you haven't read it, that's the first thing you should do. When you're done listening to this, get out there, get a copy of that book and read it. It was transformative. I want to give you a sense of what, of what Jane McGonigal uh, is arguing in this book and why I think it's so important to, to educators generally, to, to people in society generally, to try to figure out what's going on in the world and what the world needs to do differently uh, uh, in order to deal with a generation of students, young people, who really see games as the, 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 the most important part of their of their daily lives. She writes, gamers want to know where in the real world is that gamer sense of being fully alive, focused and engaged in every moment? Where's the gamer feeling of power, heroic purpose and community? Where are the bursts of exhilaration and creative game accomplishment? Where's the heart expanding thrill of success and team victory? While gamers may experience these pleasures occasionally in their real lives, they, experiencing, they experience them almost constantly when they're playing their favorite games. The real world just doesn't offer up 
as easily the carefully designed pleasures, the thrilling challenges, and the powerful social bonding afforded by virtual environments. Reality doesn't motivate us as effectively. Reality isn't engineered to maximize our potential. Reality wasn't designed from the bottom up to make us happy. And so there's a growing perception in the gaming community, reality compared to games is broken. Now, I'm not going to say that education is broken or that teaching is broken or learning is broken. But I will say, if you can find ways to bring about game-like experiences while your students are learning richly meaningful topics, exploring deep, substantive questions, learning how to think critically, learning how to write effectively, learning how to speak with skill... You get, two, uh, you get two benefits rather than just one. So if reality is broken and games can help, can help sort that out a little bit, where do we start? Well, if, if you're a gamer, and you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to start with trying to figure out the rules of the game. And uh, about this, I want to start with a fundamental difference. I think that this is going to be sort of the, the main topic of our conversation today. The fundamental difference between something that is gamified and something that's game-based Something that's gamified is using the tricks of the trade, what makes games work, uh, in order to accomplish its goals. Whereas something that's game-based is using an actual game uh, to accomplish some kind of learning objective. Remember, at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is using a method to get to a learning objective that matters to you and is meaningful for your students. That's why it can be used in kindergarten or can be used in graduate school. It's really about shaping an experience. So, without going into enormous detail about the hundreds of different ways in which uh, you might use specific gamified methods, because that's what we're going to talk about in later episodes, um, I want to make the point that if you use a gamified method, you're going to get purchase on one or more of eight different notions that are uniquely built into the experience of being a game player, and of playing games. So what are these eight ideas that are uniquely built, in my mind, from the gamified experience? Well, a gamified experience is going to empower your students to take ownership of their learning, just like they do when they're playing a game and they want to defeat a boss or they want to accomplish a goal. The goals are for them to accomplish their strategy for accomplishing the goal is up to them. In a typical classroom, the only way from where we are on day one to where we are on day seven when a student's going to be assessed is under the direct control of the teacher. In a gamified scheme, how you get from A to B is really up to the student. Um, and whether you're going to use a test or whether you use some other form of assessment, that might be up to the student as well. They might choose how they want to, how they want to proceed. Like I said, if you're listening to this, you're probably a gamer. If you are, you've had the experience of having to learn how to persist in a game. How you've had to learn to do something over and over and over again to get to a level of mastery. And this is true whether it's a card game or a board game. Uh, I, I, I would defy you to make the case that Go is less complicated than WoW and that... Uh, uh, that um, that a game like Bridge isn't so complicated that, uh, and sophisticated that it wouldn't take a lifetime 
uh, of, of work to master. Games encourage the player to persist. Gamified methods encourage the learner to persist. Uh, moreover, if it's structured appropriately, the learner has to be in charge. The learner is the one taking control of the direction of their learning. When you're playing bridge or you're playing WoW or you're playing uh, you know, a, a million other games, the way in which you choose to move towards what you think will be victory is entirely up to you. Am I going to draw these cards? Am I going to play? Uh, am I going to play these cards? Am I going to bid in a certain way? Am I going to withdraw at a certain time? All of those things are up to you. The same thing is true in a gamified classroom. Students get to direct their own learning through a pathway. Gamified methods encourage social skills. I know there's this great myth that, you know, gamers are sitting in dark basements and they're incapable of putting together more than, you know, three sentences and we're all, you know, weird nerds and all this kind of stuff. But nothing could be further from the truth. Um, because games are played between groups of players or between players, you know, in a group, uh, the same is true in a gamified classroom method, namely that it should have built into it the social dynamic of competition, the social dynamic of cooperation and collaboration that, at least to me, is a fundamental of 21st century learning anyway. And as students build their social skills, they're going to build their community skills as well within the same classroom. Games are fundamentally democratic. They're fundamentally meritocratic. The game itself doesn't care about the race, gender, ethnicity, sexuality, uh, uh, socioeconomic status of the player. It cares only about how skilled the player is at playing the game. In that way, game spaces and gamified learning spaces can actually work against some of the cultural biases that are present in, in some parts of American learning. And, and work to encourage students who might otherwise be left behind to fully engage. I think games are fundamentally playful. They are uh, they're fundamentally fun. And I think a fun learning experience is going to be a more effective learning experience for students than one that isn't fun. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be as fun or that fun is the point. It's not the point. It is a useful and helpful strategy to get students engaged and to keep them engaged, particularly when the questions get really difficult. And last of all, there's this notion of flow from uh, the, the great Hungarian psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi that says, look, if you structure a learning experience in a gamified way appropriately, he doesn't use gamification, but I'm, I'm transferring his thinking into, into this argument. Um, if you can structure a gamified experience in a certain way as to always be just challenging enough, students will stick with it far longer than if the experience is too hard or if the experience is too easy. Gamified methods are not uniquely, perhaps, but are well-suited to helping you design classroom experiences for your kids that are in that flow channel. Gamified methods uh, that we're going to talk about uh, in later episodes are such that they could work just as easily for college students 
as they might work for, for elementary school students. I hope that you'll see that as we get down the road. So that's gamification. Now, that's one thing, and I think it's, it's the more important long-term strategy because it actually transforms the way in which you see your role as a teacher and the way that you see your students' roles as learners. But gamification is not the only way to do this. Uh, there are also plenty of great games that you could use right out of the box to accomplish whatever your, your learning goal might happen to be. Over at GameLevelLearn.com, uh, I've been writing for the last number of months about specific kinds of games that you might use uh, you know, in this way. And so I think about um, maybe um, games like, say, Machi Koro, which was published last year to great acclaim. Uh, Machi Koro is a game of city building. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a, the art is beautiful. It's a charming game, super easy to learn. Um, in it, players are trying to gather wealth from an assortment of city buildings that they choose to buy over the course of the game by rolling six-sided dice that, that generate wealth. Um, the object of the game is to build four buildings that are called landmarks. And once you've built all of the landmarks, you win. Simple, it's strategic, and there's a, there's a, good, amount of, uh, there's a good amount of luck in there. So if you know Machi Koro, or if you don't, um, one of the ways in which you might use Machi Koro right out of the box is to do a simple social studies unit on capitalism, on economics. How, um, how do the buildings work? Why do they work the way that they do to generate wealth? And what does it mean to have an experience of luck in a wealth building context? Um, some buildings work more effectively. Some trigger on other buildings. Some uh, take money from other players. Why do these things work the way that they do? A simple couple of hands of, of Machi Koro, a game that, that can take no more than 30 minutes from soup to nuts, um, could be a really useful tool to help your students understand some of the basics of how economics work. Moreover, um, you can use them to, you could use the game as a model to develop kind of local concepts of how students should understand their city or their town or their school. So you could play a game of Machi Koro. And then you could redesign it or you could reskin it so that they could interpret their own city and figure out what makes that city special. So, for instance, I'm living in Pittsburgh. So the four landmarks for Pittsburgh might be uh, Union Station, where trains come in, the console, Ener the console Energy Center, which is our hockey stadium, PNC Park, our baseball stadium, and Heinz Field, our football stadium. Now, I picked those because Pittsburgh is... Uh, is known for a lot of things. It has great education, great food. Um, but people of Pittsburgh are deeply, 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 passionately committed to their sports teams. And I think if you were to make landmarks that weren't those three stadiums, that, that just wouldn't make as much sense to me as, as putting them in there. So let's say you're interested in, in, in studying cities or you know, in, in urbanization. So you could use Machi Koro out of the box to understand how cities are built, why they're built the way that they are, how their resources work, what makes them function, and, and moreover, how people use their cities um, in order to go about their daily lives and to, you know, to make, 
you know, to make it work. Um, I think that Machikoro is a great example of a game that not only gives great gameplay and is, is fast and easy to teach, but that it has immediate in-class applications at all levels, K through 12. So at the end of the day, what's the difference between gamified and game-based? Well, gamified is going to take methods, not methods, mechanics that make great games great, separate them from the game, and apply them to some other non-game-related context, a learning context. A game-based method is going to bring a game right out of the box and give your students an opportunity to play around with it and, um, and to experiment with it. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this first episode, and I want to thank you for listening and let you know that I tweet at John Cassie, and you can visit us and join the conversation at gamelevellearn.com or join our Facebook group. Um, love to hear your questions and to hear your topics, your thoughts on what we might cover in future episodes. So until next time, get playing. <laughs>